We'll open with prayer. Father, we give you praise, glory, honor. We thank you for your time to be here, the ability to be here. Um, we don't take it lightly that we have the ability to be here and all our faculties. We pray for those that are traveling for the holidays. Lord, keep your hand upon them. Bring them back to us safely, Lord. Um, we pray, Father, the blessings upon today's service. Holy Spirit, you have your way. We set aside us as humans. Um, Holy Spirit, you rule and reign in this house with each and every person that has uh, presidents in this house to teach or preach or sing or whatever it is. Lord, let it be to glory and edify you. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord. Enemy of ours, you are not welcome here in the name of Jesus. You must flee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on in and um, thank you all for being here. If you want to give a title to today's sermon, it's called Pass Under the Rod. Pass Under the Rod. So a couple of weeks ago, I did uh, a devotional on our page in Psalms 23. And if you want to turn there, I want to briefly read some of what God gave me for today's service. Psalms 23 and 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And we are very familiar with the scripture. It talks about the Lord is my shepherd. And David, of course, being a shepherd by profession, knew all about what was required of being a shepherd as far as caring for, tending to, protecting, and, um, you know, of his father's flock. And we read in his story um, how he was doing that before he went to, um, to meet Goliath on the battlefield as Israel was being uh, challenged by Goliath and his clan. But I thought that was interesting Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Those are two instruments that the shepherds use. The staff, we know, we're very familiar with that, long, curved. It was used for um, leaning on for the shepherd. Um, it was used for guiding the sheep. Even if the sheep got into a situation where the shepherd could not reach them, he would reach down with the staff, the crook end, and pick them up and pull them to safety. It was constantly used as protection and comfort to them. The rod is a little different. The rod was a short, usually a couple feet long, um, looked like a club, basically, used, but it was never used to beat the sheep with. It was used for their protection, and it was used for counting and inspecting the sheep. And we're going to talk about that today. So... Let me explain the rod. Let's, let's look at Ezekiel 20. And I'm going to just look at a couple places where it talks about um, use of the rod. Ezekiel 20. In this chapter, God, the, the men, the elders they believe of Israel had come to Ezekiel. And they were inquiring of the Lord. It doesn't say what they were inquiring about, but the Lord had a little something to say about Israel. He reminded them 
that they had been rebellious, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter, that they had been rebellious, they had been uh, worshiping idols, and that they did this in Egypt, but for his name's sake, he brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness. And even in the wilderness, they become rebellious and worshiped idols. But for his name's sake, he forgave them and allowed them to go into the promised land. And so God is talking to them about a record of sin, how they have been rebellious and how they have been uh, worshipers of idols. In verse 13, I'll read that one. It says, um, But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statues, and they, they despised my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. And my Sabbath they greatly polluted. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathens, and in whose sight I brought them out. So he had charges against them. They had not walked in his statues. They had even despised his judgments, and they had polluted the Sabbath. Do you re- There's a reason why the Sabbath is holy. It's part of the covenant that we have that set us, Israel, apart from the rest of the Gentiles, the rest of the nations. They were... They had a day or, uh, um, you know, the Jubilees. They had several celebrations of things where they worshiped God and, and celebrated their holy God who had been merciful to them. But he says that they had even polluted the Sabbaths. But for his name's sake, he had forgiven them. I want to talk to you today about coming under the rod. Let's go down to verse 36 and 38 of this chapter. So he's laying all these things out, and he's asking this generation not to be like their fathers before them. It says in 36, Like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. And I will purge out from among you the rebels, and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Passing under the rod. A lot of people want to say that that is a judgmental thing. And it, it, it is to a certain extent. And in that, it was to pass under the rod. In the shepherd's life, when he would come to a sheep and needed to inspect the health and the condition of the sheep, he would take the rod and he would part the wool. And he would inspect the wool and inspect the skin of that particular sheep. And looking for any pests or any wounds or any skin conditions, anything that might affect the health of that particular sheep. 
a lot of people say that passing under the rod was like the word of God. We have the word of God, right? And in the word of God, it gives us how to live according to God's law, his will, what is best for us, what is healthiest for us, and what is pleasing unto God. Be ye holy as I am holy. It's a daily God and um, for our lives, the word of God is. If you have a situation come up in your life, I guarantee you, you can go to the word of God. Find something that applies to that situation. If you have a condition of your heart that has arisen up out of you and you don't understand it, I guarantee you, you can go to the Word of God and find the antidote for that particular issue. It's a choice, though, for you to walk in it. So passing under the rod not only signified the covenant that we have with God in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, but um, it is sort of a judgment. It's for God to inspect us and to uh, know us personally. Um, the Bible says that we are, um, we are all his sheep. We are all his sheep. And they used it for counting even. And in one, um, one uh, in the Leviticus 27 and 32, let's go there. Let me talk about that. These are the couple of things that the rod was used to do. Not only was it a defense against the, uh, the animals that would come to eat and take the sheep. It was used, the shepherd would step out, putting his own life in danger. As David said, that the lion came and he took a sheep by its mouth. He said, but I slew it, I hid it. And took the sheep away from it. He used his club. It's not sad, but David was a shepherd. That's what his tool was out in the field. They didn't have the weapons like we have now. Nor could they carry them out in the field with them. Leviticus 27 and 32 talks about another um, thing, uh, another reason that the, uh, sh the shepherds used the club. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever, whatsoever passes under the rod, the tenth should be holy unto the Lord. So it was a way of tithing, counting the tithing. Remember, Jesus said, I am the door. And any man enters from another, he is not there for the good of the sheep, my, my own termination, terminology on that. But he says, I am the door. So the shepherd would stand at the door. The sheep would be in the pen, and he would put the rod out. And literally, if you read in the, my research, it, they would put a red dye on the underside of the rod. And each one that went, the first ten that went out, was marked with that red dye, significant of the blood of Jesus Christ, right? They didn't know it back then, though. And the sheep that would pass under would get that red mark on it, and he was marked off to be holy and to be used for the tie to, the, to God. It's the same way with us. When we come under the rod, we are applying the blood of Jesus Christ to, to our lives, to whatever, you know, our sins, whatever it is, so that we are accounted holy unto God through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
So coming under the rod is not a bad thing, although we hate it when the Holy Spirit points out our shortcomings, don't we? But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. The Bible says you judge yourself now so that you won't be judged, meaning God will judge you come a time appointed at death or at, and at tribulation as well, and, 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 and not tribulation, but when you go before the great white throne. And I love it coming, passing under the rod, but thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. How is that a comfort? Well, not only is that rod protection from the enemy, but he's inspecting me. He is applying, he's applied the blood of Jesus Christ to me. He's counted me as holy and his. I have a special place because I am his sheep who is willingly passing under the rod. It's not a bad thing. I know it don't feel good. I know. I hate it. And the Holy Spirit says, really? You really want to, you handled it that way? Was that a good idea? And then he shows me why it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I'm just sitting there, usually at my desk, thinking, oh, God. And now I'm getting to where I, <laughs> prayerfully, most times my mouth doesn't speak first, but I sit back and think of the consequences of what I'm about to do or what I'm about to say and not be reactionary. I take it to God and say, okay, let's, let's see how this works. <laughs> Um, Ephesians 5 and 26, New Living Translation. And this is just scriptures that I wanted to bring to you that you would have, that you could write down if you want to and study them later. But these are um, what I'm using to back up what I've said because I can say a whole lot of things, but if it's not in the Word of God, it's not truth. It's just my idea, my thoughts. I always want you to have the truth the truth it's got to be the truth because all else doesn't matter um let me go to the the new living translation because for me it it helped explain it a lot better to me to me so um verse 25 says for husbands this means love your wives just as christ loved the church he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean Washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. That's what the word of God does. Now, we do remember Jesus was the living word of God. But when you read his life and follow his example... And go by the statues and the judgments that Christ and that God has put in this book for us, our daily understanding. We have a cleansing, if we will accept it, guaranteed for us. That's how you walk around here and you lose the desire for sin. This is how you do it. You can't do it within your own strength. I, you know, all the self-help books, all the videos, all the everybody's whatever. My testimony is only good if it includes Christ Jesus because that is where the strength comes, the Word of God. That's how you're cleansed. 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 7. 
This talks about the dangers of the last days, what kind of world we're going to live in. We're going to live in people who reject the power of God. Oh, they're okay with coming to church, shouting, singing, being counted amongst the numbers, but they don't want the power of God. And Paul blatantly tells Timothy to have nothing to do with these people, to shun them, to stay away. I don't say anything other than that. Once they, once the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, learn to cut the people off. I call them spiritual vampires. Verse 14, and I'm reading in the New Living Translations, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. That's why I say, if I don't care what I say, if I can't back it up by the Word of God, you need to check that. I don't care who it is. I don't care how many years they've been walking this walk. If it ain't backed up by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, then we've got a problem. It says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. This is why it's important to get it into them young. The Bible says they will not stray from it. They may run away, but it's always there. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Wow, that is powerful. You know, salvation is free. There's a cost to it, though, isn't there? Jesus paid a high price for it. And for me to walk and to be the, the child of God I'm called to be, I, too, will pay a price for it. It says, they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. That's why we say, you know, the daily scriptures are okay, but you just can't read something and put it aside. You need to study it. You need to learn it. You need to get in the word of God and gather all that you can from that wisdom. It says all scripture is inspired by God and used to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I know you got a calling. Every Christian does. It may be to testify to somebody. It may to be to teach. It may be to uh, to um, to you know, fund the church, whatever it is God puts on your heart. Those are all wonderful things, and those are all callings. It equips you to do good works. Sometimes your heart's not right. Sometimes we can do good works and be begrudging in our heart. And that is, you know, that the Lord Lord knows. He sees all. He sees it all. It's like the, the widow and the mite that she gave in. Jesus was watching them. And the rich were coming and they were putting in much and much and much and much. And it was making lots of noise. But hers was just the widow's mite. And he says, but she gave more than all the others. Because she gave all she had. He wants it all. He deserves it all. And quite frankly, how many of us would be here if somebody didn't give their all to God? That's a testimony. That's a new sermon all by itself. That's a rabbit hole we won't go down. Let's go to Matthew 25, 
it's a good one to go down. But did you ever think that your obedience coming under the rod will make a difference, not only in your life, but for every person that you're called to touch and minister to? So Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, and I talked I spoke and talked about it briefly last week, but I wanted, God brought it back to me. This is the sheep and the goats. And it pretty much just sets it clear. There are only two classes of people that will stand before God. And the outcome is very different. It says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all the nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from goats. Going back to the shepherd analogy. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left hand. And then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me, and I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer, righteous, answer him, saying, Lord, when, when saw we thee hungered and fed thee, thirsty, or gave thee drink? When saw we thee as a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Burly, I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Sowing into people's lives makes a difference. That's not salvation. That's righteousness. That shows a heart for God. That shows a heart that has gone under the rod and no longer lives for itself, but knows who it's living for and why it's living. It's for God's kingdom, not for selfish acts. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we... Thee a hungered or thirst or stranger or naked or sick or in a prison and did not minister unto you. Then shall he answer them saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. It's not a salvation thing. It's a changed heart. It's a softened heart that has the word of God in it, that has the heart of Jesus. I came not for the well, but for those that needed a physician. It's a reaching out for those in need of him, giving them drink, 
And not so much just in the physical, but it's a spiritual thing. That's why people should look at you and say, there's something different about you. It's because you have a hope. You have wellness. You have wholeness. You have something. You have a peaceful mind. You have something they desire. They're imprisoned by the enemy, enslaved. They are sick, maybe even physically, but definitely in their mental and spiritual states. They are naked and ashamed. They hunger and thirst after righteousness, but they have none because you don't have the heart that was willing to endure under the rod, passing under the rod. That's why it's so important. It's not just for your your sake. It's for the sake of many. We have that new covenant according to Luke 22 and 20. Jesus told them at the Last Supper, this cup is the New Testament or new covenant in my blood that is shed for you. No one enters. In John 10 and 9, I am the door by me. If any man enters, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. John 10 and 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. That's what you're called to do. Give your life. Give your money. Give your time. Give your wisdom, your understanding to dive into the word of God and let it cleanse you and prepare you for the good work that God has for you. I don't care who you were. We all were somebody in the other kingdom. (laughs) Adulterers, fornicators, addicts. The list goes on and on. Usually just not one, it's usually two or three. It doesn't matter. You are new now. All things are new. You have a good shepherd who loves you and wants the best for you. In John 10 and 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, you don't know what they are unless you get in the Word and find them. Come and pass under the rod today. I know it's not going to be easy. I know the shepherd's going to take that little rod, and he's going to separate all the wool. Some of it needs to be cut off. And he's going to look down deep at the condition underneath and say, okay, here's something we need to put an ointment on. And we need to take a little extra care for this because this is a wound that's going to affect what you're going to do in the next few days or the next week or in the calling and the ministry that I've called you to. Are you willing to pass under the rod of God? That's your call today. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you into all truth. That's the word. We have great things to do. And I don't know about you. When I stand before God, I want to be on the right side. I don't want to be on the left side. Those of us who know, we'll be checking. Am I on the right or the left side? (laughs) Just to be for sure. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor, and we thank you for your words today. Thank you that you care enough about us that you allow us to pass under the rod, that you marked us as holy and counted us as yours. 
with all the protection and the guidance and direction that we have, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus, to have ears to hear and eyes to see in the spiritual realm. Let us walk according to your will, not our own, not in selfishness, not in pride, not in the things that the world counts as winning, but what is truly winning in the kingdom of God. Father, have your way with us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.